Dotnet Rocks episode 915 with guest Dan North. Recorded live Wednesday, September 25th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Franklin's.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Fancy room. It's a little too fancy for us, actually. Yeah. A little gilded, a little, you know, cold place. It's got a little bit of wear in it here and there. We're in the town hall in Shoreditch? Shoreditch? No, no, all, all of our houses are like this here. Okay, yes. Yeah. We're just in somebody's living room. Just, yeah, this is the, <laughs> this is the Downton Abbey guest Americans. house. That's yeah. it. Uh, here we are in London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who the thought? I'm glad we're here. It's been yeah. good fun. Great fun. Love the people. You guys are great. Give yourselves a round of applause. Love you. <laughs> Dan North is here. We're going to have a great show. We're going to talk about all the stuff that he likes to talk about, uncertainty and change. But before we can do that, we've got to get started with Better Know Framework. Roll the music. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, what I got isn't so much a better-know framework, but I have, you know, what I like to do in front of live audiences, uh, a sort of a joke. Oh, okay. But this is, I, I swore when I started .NET Rocks I would never read code on the show. No, it's a mistake. But I'm going to right now. Okay, you're making a mistake. It's actually a struct. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know what a struct is. Yeah. Everybody knows what a struct is? Okay, yeah, so this is like a static class. It's just a structure. Now, in a struct, you have the type of an, of an item on the left, of an element, whatever the hell you call them. I don't know what they are. I'm a VB programmer. Give me a break, right? And you have the name of it on the right. So, struct, software consultant. Uh-oh. Double salary. Long lunches. Float jobs. Character unstable. <laughs> Void work. <laughs> Constant pain in the ass. <laughs> Unsigned agreement. Short fuse. And static progress. Thank you very much. Nice. <laughs> I also thought it was consultant in synthesis of con game and insult. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. Well, who's talking to us, Richard? I, I grabbed a comment off of show 822, and that's the one we did with Mr. Dan North. I've we're, never heard of him. Never heard of him. This is when we were at the Better Software Show in Orlando on the road trip, if you recall. Last year's road yeah, trip. Yeah, just last year. The last time I saw these two men was in a Winnebago in a parking lot. 
if, you, if you're here for the beginning that, of the show, we that, showed a picture of that RV that you that saw. That could probably have come out better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the curtains were drawn. <laughs> and there was bourbon. Yes. That's right. Much bourbon. And the and those sides were popped out. <laughs> right. <laughs> just let's just move on. The jacks were down and we were leveled. <laughs> it's just wrong. It's just wrong. So yes, that was back then, and this comment comes from Julian Hager, and he says, Dan North talks about uncertainties and the things that we don't know that we don't know. This reminded me of some ideas from the lean startup approach in which the startup optimizes for rapid knowledge acquisition above features for features' sake. Lean Startup encourages teams to start by considering their key assumptions and defining testable hypotheses from them. Early product increments are then developed as experiments to test those hypotheses. He's talking about Eric Ries's Lean Startup book, mm -hmm. to, to the letter. That's exactly what that is. And I, it happened to be I just on the DevOps talk, and I end with, you really need to read this book. It's a great read, yeah. but it's really specifically about this idea that the biggest danger you've got is that you're absolutely confident about something. Well, the thing that staggers me is it's taken us this long to try applying science to building stuff. I know, you're just cra crazy talk, Mr. North. <laughs> I crazy know, talk. I know. What if we had a hypothesis that this product will either work or not, um, and then we tried it? And we actually tested and, it with the and customer. And we found out whether, and well, and there's, there's some pretty good reasons why we didn't, and your talk was, uh, the, the, if you think like the, the premise of your talk was a lot of the reasons why we didn't used to be able to. Yeah which is the cost of getting an idea out of my head as a business person and into, you know, in front of users was prohibitive. So I would have to batch up all my ideas and shove them into like a requirements document and send all that down the line. Whereas now we've shortened the development cycle and we've shortened the path to production, the operations piece with DevOps and continuous delivery. So I can try five ideas simultaneously, sure. and, and that's okay. As well you should, and, and ultimately, um, Reese's book gets into, you'll always find a customer for your idea. The mm -hmm. question is, can you find enough of them to make that idea worth achieving fully? So it's really about how big is this opportunity? Does it really make sense? What, what I love about all these ideas like Lean Startup, um, is, is that they're bringing us straight into the 70s. <laughs> and believe me, that is, that is decades beyond where we were before in the 40s, which is how most management works. It's true. The 70s, you've got Boeing um, designing planes. And the way you design planes, uh, it turns out, is if you're designing wings, you have to get several different companies building a wing. And it used to be just a great way to get lots of ideas for building wings. Now it's a legal requirement. So you have to get different companies building wings and they're not allowed to talk to each other. Because if they happen to have a bogus assumption and that ends up in all three wings, you can crash a plane. All the wings could fail. Right. So but what it, it's rather than it being like a cost of sale. So you three guys, you're all going to pitch your various wings and I'm going to choose one of you. Is I will pay for the development of all three of those up to a point, and then I'll choose the one I'm going to go right. with. Once you've proven it to a certain yeah. level. We call it concurrent set-based engineering, which is, really doesn't roll off the tongue at all. No. But, uh, it's yeah. a cool idea. It's, it's a cool idea. Forty years later, we're going, hey, we should try that. That's a great idea. So, Julian, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, WinPhone 7 and 8, Android, and iOS. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises, who'd love to build you an app as well. Just go to Diatom enterprises.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs, industry experts, and 
guests on our show. They release over 40 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, still 200 minutes of access to their vast library. A wide range of topics, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, I guess we should formally introduce Dan North. Dan writes software and coaches teams and organizations in agile and lean methods. He believes in putting people first and writing simple, pragmatic software. Let's give a round warm welcome to Dan North. Pleasure to be back. Well, I think we almost always do shows with you in person. It's either at NDC or it's at Better Software. All this cool technology about you know recording me over the intertubes and syncing up the. I've never had that. Yeah, we never did that. Save that for the special people. (laughs) Well, because Dan, let's just give them a mic and see what happens. Well, you know, you put people first, so so do we. You know, you're in person all the yeah. time. There you go. Yeah, we always yeah. make time. I feel special. We're, it's your, your thing. We're just trying to play along. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what have you been working on? So uh, this, is, this is almost exactly a year to the day since I went independent. Wow, so good for you, man. I've been independent yeah. for nearly a year. Um, and about a year ago, someone said to me, so what are you going to do when you go independent? I was like, I don't really know. There's, there's three things I love doing. I love... Uh, and I guess they all come under the banner of optimizing. So I love optimizing organizations. Right? Mm-hmm. I like helping an organization be the right shape to do what it wants to do. Right. I love optimizing kind of teams and people and coaching and all that one-on-one kind of stuff and software. So I love coding. And so I was, I've been trying to find uh, kind of carve out some stuff where I get to do all those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm now about a year into that and someone last week said, so, 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 what are you doing then now? You've been independent for a year. I, I don't know. <laughs> so you're trying to write software to help people motivate themselves to optimize their businesses. There you go. All That's in one. That's the product That's I amazing. Built. Yeah. Well, no, so for instance, I'm working with, and I'm allowed to say Bank of America. Yeah. Nice. And, and until then, until recently, it was I'm working with a large unnamed bank, but no, we've I'm allowed to speak. I'm not, okay, the, the big caveat of I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone other than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh my word, what fun. So literally, uh, I know fun, big American bank doesn't sound. So yeah. in the last, uh, I've just been in the last couple of days, um, I'm coaching the kind of scrum masters, coaches on uh, uh, how to look at metrics. and all. In fact, all the lean startup kind of flow wow. type ideas. So how to figure out, how to measure things like cycle time, throughput, all those sorts of things. There, there, there's some interesting challenges there. How to get teams lined up behind work and all those sorts of things. And I just spent the last two evenings uh, hacking on Python with them. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's very strange because I'm a Bank of America customer and lean isn't the first adjective that comes to mind when I think of I mean? my dealings with them. It's, it's, it's nuts. And, and the way it started, they, they, they got a, a CIO um, uh, who uh, a couple of years ago joined them. And like, usually this is just sort of you know, a random rumbling in the upper echelons of an yeah. organization. Yeah. So this guy, he's joined and he's walking the floor and, and he, just, he just sits down next to someone and starts pair programming with them. Wow. Right? That's a weird CIO. <laughs> if it was a CTO, that would have been okay, but a CIO, CIO doing that, that's weird. That's pretty unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then they've got this, this guy who's like a... So, so they have these like weirdly, I think, kind of largely made-up job titles in banks. They have things like a VP 
um, which is junior to a director, which is junior to a managing director, which is, I, I don't right. understand what the titles are. But this one guy, he's quite a senior manager and he's like, looking after several hundred people. Um, and you can imagine, very conservative, very hierarchical organization. Right. And he's just put everyone in a bag and shaken the bag up. And he's like, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> and and it's, it's nuts. And it's going ridiculously well. Right. So yeah, so so my my job is well actually what they did is they they kind of um, they got very rigid sort of training in to start with. They said right, we're going to do this by the numbers, just get everyone on the same bus. Right, yeah. right. Just trying to get the skill sets leveled. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a level setting. So let, let's all be using the same words to mean the same things. Let's all right. have so yeah. so they, they they went with Scrum. You know, it's a it's a very easy easily accessible method. Yeah. You can go and get a bunch of you know go and buy a few kilos of Scrum training kind of thing. So, so they got very kind of standard across the piece. And then they said, right, well, this obviously is a starting point. It's not a goal. So now how do we start as an organization tuning that? So I joined them after about a year of this transformation, maybe a year and a half, um, as, as like an advisor. And my, my job is, I'm, I'm not in there full time. I'm in there you know, a couple of days a week. Uh, my job is to wander around and get in trouble. Hmm. Well, you know, you, when I think of, you know, you talked about the chaos monkey at Netflix. Right. I, I'm the chaos monkey the in chaos Bank of America. <laughs> you, that's exactly what came to mind when I, because when I think of Bank of America, I think of a very old set in its ways, big sort of corporate structured. I mean, how widespread is this? Is this just one team? How? So it's um, it's the operations part. Well, it's one of the operations parts of the bank. So operations in a bank isn't DevOps. Right. Operations in a bank is, it's actually the really unsexy stuff. So you've got these traders and there's like maybe millions or tens of millions of trades happen in a day. Mm. And all of those are between a small number of counterparties, like other banks and whatever yeah. else. So if you kind of squish them all together and net them all down, you end up with just a small number of payments that end up going to wherever they go. Yeah. The bit where you figure out what all the business rules are to net all those things down and move them around is really complicated. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of things like regulatory hoo-ha behind that. Mm -hmm. And so it's yeah. a, trying to make sure you have audit trails for everything. Audit trails for everything. And, and especially something like Bank of America, which is actually Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Right. You, know, you can look back over the history and there's just lots and lots and lots of different banks and organizations that have banked together over the centuries mm -hmm. you know um, so it's not just this is that part of the bank it's this is that part of several banks over history so you've got many 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 systems usually doing fairly similar things in slightly weirdly different ways and so an awful lot of the complexity is just having so much stuff right mm. so so that's and and so it's just it's it's a part of that part of the bank and it's um, so far in London, it's about 150 something people. Same in kind of uh, New York, similar sort of size, 150, 200 people. So, so, so I mean, it's more than a couple of teams, but it's still yeah. not, you know. It's not the whole organization. They're, they're like well over a quarter of a million people working for <laughs> so, so, no, kind, so, what kinds of chaos are you going to inflict on, in this? Uh, organization? Yeah, you know, what kinds of change well, are you trying to bring about? Well, this is the weird thing. I'm not. So yeah. these guys are doing this. What they're doing is they're saying, it, it's again, it really is that experimental thing. We wonder what would happen if. Right. So you've got these, uh, you know, very, very experienced, very senior folks. They've maybe been in the bank for 20 years. Right. And they've, you know, got their whatever senior title. They're going, oh, I'm just going to throw that in the ring and right. I'm going to go get a job in a team. Yeah. And so you've got these, these like scrum teams, like feature teams, whatever. Um, and you'll have uh, a mainframe guy, you'll have uh, a couple of Java people, a Scala or Python programmer, and then you've got like a, you know, a very, very, very senior manager going, well, how can I help? 
hmm. give me a thing to do. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and, and it's, it's nuts. And, they and they're all, they're all, they've, yeah. they've just flattened the, all, all the hierarchies, and they're going, yeah, yeah let's just see, what, just see where this goes. See what happens. How yeah. do you not just have chaos? What an excellent question. How do you not have chaos? The, uh, there's, there's a purpose to all this, right? Mm -hmm. There's a goal to all this. So, so you look at uh, the organization's job, you can measure the organization's job, do all the right people, get paid the right amounts, and the right. stuff not fall through the cracks. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> not sending everybody to jail for violations. That, that kind yeah. of, yeah. And, and, and so, so they have, you know, as with any bank, they've got the checks and balances and audits and blah, 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 blah. And these are very big, time-consuming, expensive processes. So, you, so they've already got measurements on how big and time-consuming and blah. And so they can just start tracking this stuff. So, so it's not let's just throw some people in a room and see what happens. It's let's pick some, you know, some of these kind of low-hanging problems and say well, this thing here really shouldn't be this hard. This right. thing shouldn't have this many errors. This thing should be quicker to do. Let's start measuring it. And it's the classic uh, you know, plan, do, check, adapt, yeah. sort of lean cycle. Have a hypothesis. Right. We think this should have, this should require, this whole process seems to have too many people in it. Do you right. know what I mean? Too many handoffs. So it's Let's not see if just we can make software. No, and this is a crazy, this is the, the fascinating thing for me because most of the change I've seen in you know, 20 odd years is as an IT guy, outwards. Sure. So this is now coming into an organization and, and, uh, and they actually have a group of people called change. And I'm usually, like that's usually an anti-pattern to me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, so you've got the change guys over here. Oh, so, so, so you're, you're the well, boring guys and these guys over here are the change yeah. guys. Yeah. They cause a lot of trouble, so we keep them over there. We keep them they over won't there. do any damage. No, and this is the opposite of that. This is, so when you want to change a process in a bank, the IT bit might only be a tiny part of that. Right. You've got process change, you've got organizational stuff, you've got people stuff, you know, training, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and there's some IT change that needs to happen as well. Mm -hmm. So the change element of it, if you like, is dovetailing all that stuff together. Mm. And that's, it's like for a techie, this is, this is mind-blowingly eye-opening for me. I'm yeah. kind of seeing, you know, because most of the stuff, even when I've done quite big change, mm -hmm. it's been quite big change in IT functions. Yeah, but this isn't. This is this is quite a big change in a bank that happens to use IT to do a bunch of this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So so the, my kind of role, if you like, is is just to run interference, just to kind of help. Yeah. So they'll say we're interested in doing this thing. Uh, help us validate that idea. Uh, help us. You know, have you seen stuff like this before? Where have you seen it? What worked? What didn't work? Um, how, how do we move forward? So what and, are some a, a lot of a lot of my a lot of my gig is just asking questions. Like they've got the answers. It's just what shape does it need to be? What are some of the positive things that you've seen come out of this? Um, positive things I've seen come out of this. At energy, energy. So uh, one of the what's interesting is in each location as well, the motivation's been different. So where I think probably the, the single most uh, the single most obvious indicator that a agile adoption or lean change thing is going to fail is when someone says, "We're going to do a lean change. Or, We're going to adopt agile." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No one wants to adopt Agile. You shouldn't, right. That shouldn't be the thing you do. Right. Yeah, what yeah. you want to do is solve a problem. Now, in order to solve that problem, you might adopt Agile, but, but the goal isn't adopt Agile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so you get talking to these guys, and no one said, oh, the thing we need to do is go lean. What they said is the thing we need to do is, uh, in one of our locations, we need to just get better at responding to the business. Right. We're not fast enough. The stuff we come out with isn't, we're not happy enough with it, right. so we just need to get better at that. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the other location, they have what they call key man risk. So they've got very small number of people who understand these very critical systems. Like with any you know, organization that's been downsizing and doing all that stuff sure. over the last five years or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so now you have people like so underneath these really big, quite scary systems. And those guys want to go home at the weekend. Right. You know, and they can't because they need to be kind of keeping the plate spinning. Right. Um, and so what you're getting is, and most of these are kind of legacy systems like COBOL and whatever else. So one of the crazy things I'm seeing is Java programmers um, and you know, .NET programmers or whatever learning COBOL. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, right. So, so you've got these you've got these teams, and all cross-functional teams, and someone sitting there pairing on a, like a you know a green screen. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm looking at the Java guy, and I'm thinking that's never going to appear on your CV. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's I programmed in Cobol. So, so Python, yeah, Java and Cobol. Nice. Oh, oh I see where you're going there. Here's, yeah. some, here's some punch cards. You'll be needing those, right? <laughs> um, and, and 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 the reason that they're doing it, the reason this guy's learning Cobol is so that his teammate can go home at the weekend and see her family. Right. Yeah. And you're just thinking that, you know, you know that take one for the team thing. Right. That is like, these guys are doing that at scale. They're saying, in order for us to work better as a team, we all need to, you know, okay, they're not going to know the system as deeply as she does. She's worked on it for 10 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. right. But they know enough that she can step away and go, right, I'm going to go for a lie down now. Yeah. It's going to be okay. You know? it's, it's fantastic. It's the, uh, stuff doesn't just stop. It's amazing how many times we get this these linchpin people that yeah. we just don't, sometimes we don't even realize how critical they are until they are gone for two weeks and right, something right, goes right, wrong yeah. and nobody knows. And nobody knows. So that's one part of it. Another part of it I've seen, um, and again, I, I suspect this is more in kind of very conservative banks, you'll see this, is what I'm used to seeing. Uh, I used to work for a you know, big agile consulting firm that would go into lots of these organizations. So you kind of start to see patterns and, and, and things is there was a sense of um, helplessness is the wrong word. Like a, uh, I would be doing work in a silo in a bank or whatever, right. and I would just be handed the work, and it was, it was like a production line. Here's some requirements, keep typing until the requirements are done and send them on their way. Now you are a cog in a machine. You are a cog right. in a machine. You're aware of the gear on your left and the gear and on the your gear right, on my right and nothing else. And, and if you ask me, the gear on my left doesn't have a clue and the gear on my right is lazy. Yeah. I and mean, if you move a long one, they'll tell you that the gear on their right doesn't have a clue and the gear on the left. So, so everyone's like, so, but no, you go into, you go into somewhere like the, the, the bank in, in the areas where we're doing work and there isn't that. All these, all these developers and testers and DBAs and all these other you know, techies are saying, right, in order to do my job properly, I need to understand how this stuff's being consumed. Mm. So they go and sit with operations people. Mm. And I say, well, how do you do your job? What do you do? Well, I do this. Blimey, I could make that easier for you right now. Yeah. And I just, hang on a minute, I'm just going to code something up. While we're <laughs> and they do. And so they're taking a genuine interest in how the business works. Right. And so there's as many ideas coming out of how we can make the, the, the car go faster from within the delivery function, if you like, as, as, as comes from the guys. Do you think that's ground. just a, I mean, this is not just that developers see things differently, but it's just a fresh set of eyes on a problem. Right. Because I got to think the IT getting up and watching how dev does a bunch of things. Like yeah. my, my favorite one for that has been stuff like how, they, how the dev side gets ready to do a test run. And just how painful it is to stand everything up and configure and so forth. And, and, and an IT guy goes to that and he goes, you know, we got automation tools for that. We can wait to go. Well, and, and, this, and the interesting thing is, or well, one, one of the things that fascinates me is if you, if you ask someone, you know, what, what's a thing I could fix? What's a thing that I could make go away? They'll say, oh, do you know what? Um, and they'll point something out and, and they're right. That's a thing they could make go away. Mm -hmm. But you watch them for more than 10 minutes and you say, you, you've done that thing about four times now. Right. What thing? 
Yeah. <laughs> right? What thing? Because that, that that's unconscious now. They, they, they don't they, even see it. The, the yeah. thing that's the real drag factor, they just they, they have they that autopilot while they're doing some other well, it's, stuff. It's, it's, head, it's, it's head down work, right? When you've got yeah. your head down doing it, you don't have your head up enough to see that you've done it over and that over again. That you've done it over and over again. And so what you want is, what, so, so what, if you ask, you know, and this is the, this is the faster horses thing, mm-hmm. if I ask you what you want, you'll, you'll have some micro-optimization of what you're doing. Whereas if I watch what you're doing, or even if you watch what you're doing, if you move from like there to kind of, you know, step back a couple of feet and just take a look, you, you start to go, oh my word, I do that, don't I? I do yeah. that thing. You know, and immediately it's like, well, you know, how, how can I make your horses go faster? Well, here's an internal combustion engine. Yeah. Oh, right. Where does that go on the horse? That, yeah, exactly. How do I, that just made my horse slower, look. Does it go back the other way? Do the engineers get to go shadow the, uh, you know, the, 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 the sales guys and the managers and see how they do their job too, you know? Well, so, so what, what's interesting is that there is now, everyone is now focused on how do we make the car go faster. Mm-hmm. So this is a, uh, a reference to, I think it was uh, the um, Williams team. Toyota Way, maybe. Um, was, was, uh, he was talking about like uh, optimizing. And he mm-hmm. said, so uh, the, anyone in the organization is allowed to do anything they like. The globally optimizing metric is does it make the car go faster? Right. Okay, so this is Formula One racing. Doesn't make the car go faster. So the the uh, marketing VP of marketing says, "I want to spend another hundred million dollars on marketing. Does it make the car go faster? Well, it'll raise our profile. It'll give us a sexier brand. We'll hire better engineers. The engineers will design better cars. The car will go faster. Right. Right. Got it. Uh, the janitor. I want to get new new uh, brooms. I want to get new mops. Okay, well, why, well, how, does that, how does that fit our goal? Well, it means I can clean easier, the place will be a nicer place to work, a nicer you know, physical environment, engineers are happier, they design better cars, car goes faster. Great, get mops. Yeah. You know? But everyone, obviously some of these are a bit tenuous, but what, what it does is it focuses everyone on my job here is to make the car go faster. Right. Like the janitor like story you have from NASA about the... Oh, that's uh, uh, John Kennedy goes, is, is inspecting it at... Uh, was now the Kennedy Space Center, Cape Canaveral back then, and bumps into a janitor and says, what do you do here, sir? He says, I'm helping put a man on the moon, Mr. President. Yeah, like, this is the common, the common mission, and it gets yeah. the biggest problem. And I, and I like that you're talking about the car going faster, too, because it's, it's a business metric that matters. Yeah. Right? The business was get the man on the moon. Yeah. So It wasn't build a spaceship. Yeah, that, that wasn't the point, right? We're trying to get a man, if we can do it with a slingshot, we will. Like, that's yeah. not the problem. Well, and better yet, it was actually... Our mission is to get a man on the moon by the end of the decade yeah. and bring him back safely. safely. Yeah. Right. right. So it had a time, and it had like you know, I'm going to value this person's yes. life. Oh, and by the way, don't just splat him up there. Getting a guy on the moon's not hard. No, no, no. <laughs> getting him back. <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, the goal was to be a jelly donut at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Richard. You know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to change the chaos monkey's pants. <laughs> Put on a hat. <laughs> no, it's time to give away a Telerik Devcraft complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before we do that, before I tell you who it is, I need to tell you that Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5s and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. Of course, it comes with server-side wrappers for ASP.NET MVC, so you'll be able to produce awesome HTML5 apps powered by Kendo UI without being forced to write that pesky JavaScript. Simply program on the server, and the Kendo UI wrappers will handle the HTML and JavaScript for you. You'll have fun, and your boss will be amazed. 
visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash D-O-T-N-E-T to find out more about Kendo UI and download the free 30-day trial with full support. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. We wouldn't be here without him. That's right. So who's our winner, bud? Today's winner is Emerald M. Salazar from Sao Paulo. Congratulations, Emerald. Round of applause. No golf clap today. No golf clap. Yeah, that's right. That's it's a right. big clap. And he just won the DevCraft Complete Collection. That's everything Telerik does in one box. Including Kendo UI. Including Kendo UI. We're also giving away a Carl Franklin CD. That's uh, been a while. My new album that I've been talking probably way too much about. It's and good songs, man. You, the, the guy who drove to the train station, I think you... Did you give him one or sell him one? The cabbie? Yeah. Or yeah. Did you he split him for the, the airfare? The cabbie. the cabbie today, I gave him a copy and he was just <laughs> he loved it. to it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Beverly Wendell from Chillicothe, Ohio. Congratulations, Beverly. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members. Every show we give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. And every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member. But you got to be a member to win. We like to ask our guests, Dan North, if you had 5,000 US dollars right now to spend on technology, what would you buy? 5,000 US dollars, that's, that's 29 pence or something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I would buy uh, <laughs> an ice cream. It's about 3,800. <laughs> a Mars bar. <laughs> a Mars I, bar. I, I, what would I do with 5,000 bucks um, of tech? It would, it would have to be uh, some kind of ultrabook that's going to be running Linux. How many? So, so yeah. I'm afraid I'm, I'm They're only uh, you know, 1,200 bucks a crack or so. So we, what, you, you want a six-pack of them? We can get some barbecue sauce? <laughs> if you're looking for suggestions, I'll give you some that we've had. Cool. Um, tablets hanging on every wall in your house uh, connected as a Skype intercom system. Oh, not ooh, bad. Like that. Fancy. Um, and I think actually, actually no, like a really decent streaming audio, like a sort of oh. Sonos whole setup. Yeah, yeah Sonos that system's be, great. Sound that system. Hey, really nice to retrofit that, with. You, me. me, we'll talk later. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll hook okay. you up, man. Is that, is, that, is that your trading up and I can have yeah, the hand-me-downs? I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs> uh, 3D printers, very popular. Well, but see, here's the thing. If you know someone with a 3D printer, can't they print you one? <laughs> that would be so handy yeah. until the 3D printers realize that and then become self-aware and take over the world. I right. can't argue with so that. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I'm slightly... Yeah. I am concerned about 3D printers. They make A little me, concerned? They make me twitchy, yeah. Twitchy. Yeah. They can't yeah. print themselves yet. Well... So, it's the only thing holding them back. Matter of time. That and no hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the, what I need to print is some, is some opposable thumbs and then I'm away. <laughs> We're getting there, you know, someday. Star Trek replicators in every house. Someday. Oh, yeah. That'd be Teleport. That'd be mo oh, man. Well, there you go. That's, now that's crazy talk. Yeah. yeah. Spoke that's by a guy who spends too much time in there. <laughs> Is there any avoiding disruptive change? Any of us? Is there any avoiding disruptive change? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was it? Um, who was it who said this? I, it might even be Charles Darwin. But uh, that basically said survival isn't mandatory. Right. Yeah. Right? Survival is a choice. Mm -hmm. You can choose not to survive. No one's making you. 
Okay. If, you, if you're going to, then you're going to need to adapt and evolve so, to the environment you're in. But so we could choose to maintain a VB project for the rest of our life if we wanted to. Well, I can give you an example from the mid-90s, actually, which was the first time I was ever really exposed to the difference between risk and change. Yeah. So people talk about being uh, risk-averse. I'm very risk-averse. Um, but actually, when you scratch the surface, they're, they're change-averse. They're yeah. terrified of change. Right. And they wrap that up in risk, which is a much more business out yeah, of work. Sure. Right. Um, so I was working at a, uh, a French bank, which will remain unnamed, um, and they were running quite a serious part of their, their infrastructure on some very, on a very old C++ app, big C++ app running on a very old version of Solaris, I think, or something. Um, and a bunch of us were saying, what you guys need to do is start moving this thing off of this platform. Um, because what's going to happen is Sun, as I Sun, Sun is going to end of life this thing. Yeah, you know, what is the soon. Sun you speak? What of? is the Sun of which you speak? It was uh, eaten by a huge. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So so this thing is going to be end of life. No no no. That's fine. We're risk averse. We don't want to risk. That's, uh, high, that's risk a high disruption. risk strategy, right? So here's what happened. We got to the point where. Um, the, the, the platform that's running in a production environment, you couldn't compile it anymore using the oldest supported version of the C++ compiler wow. on the oldest supported version of Solaris because the language had changed. So they, were using, they were using features that even when they wrote it were deprecated. So now the <laughs> oldest... So you literally couldn't compile the stuff that was running. You right. know that build thing? Yeah, and so you couldn't create new binaries to run on a different wow. OS, and the thing they were running on, the platform they were running, was no longer supported. The actual TIN, the right. operating system, patches, security, none of it, right? Wow. The binaries, I'm like, okay, let's talk about risk now. How's your risk going there? How's that risk <laughs> strategy working out for yeah. you? I hate yeah. change. Yeah, yeah, I hate change. And, and I hate change, head in the sand, is dressed up as I am risk averse. So I'm risk averse, and, the, and the, way I, the way I manage risk is I have many, many, many small changes because I find that very non-risky. Well, right. yeah, the, you either control the change or it controls you. Or it, it happens it. to you yeah. in a big way. Yeah. It's going to anyway, maybe. And the, and the um, yeah, you, you mentioned the, the, the Netflix kind of example there. Yeah, th those guys, w what they'll do is, if something is difficult, like building this massive stack, build it a lot. Right, right. Yeah. Do it over if and over again. Do it over and over again. Do the hard stuff over and over again, and it's no longer hard. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, and, and that's, again, that's an option. That's a choice you have. Or you could choose to just go, la, 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 oh, hang on a minute, the world just moved around me. Yeah. I recently finished a book called uh, Why Nations Fail. And it talked about one of the distinctions of Western society is this acceptance of creative destruction. That disruptive change is what keeps things healthy, lean, and fast. And so you know, when we have these more exploitive government and, and financial systems, they fear change too. And they don't allow anything to be destroyed so that new things can be built. And so our ability to absorb change Mm -hmm. absorb that disruption and, and get better from it is actually the competitive advantage. Right, and there's, there's something, I've got a half-baked theory, so this is, this is, this is it half, in, in its half-baked state, um, which means there could be a number of edit points coming up as right. I fail to articulate <laughs> it. But it's something about, and I've noticed this in the last few years, like this is within our generation sort of thing, of, try, of people starting to 
choose to distinguish between the service and the institute that provides the service. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, I want uh, to be able to spend money, but I don't necessarily want the institute of banks. Right. So, when you start getting things like Bitcoin yes. or you know that kind of stuff, right. uh, well, I mean, what's interesting about Bitcoin is you also got rid of sovereign currency in the process. Mm -hmm. Like that, to me, the bank's one thing. Yeah. The fact I that you no longer I don't want countries. Right. Yes, like, yeah. Yeah. a yeah. currency without a country is really an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. And then, or, 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 or um, like uh, the sort of Airbnb type model. So, I, I want, I want to be able to stay somewhere. I want, I want, uh, but I don't necessarily want chains of hotels. Right. That's not necessarily the thing. And, and, and the whole kind of lean startup model where it's incredibly cheap to spin up an idea and it's also incredibly cheap to kind of just franchise the hell out of that idea and let people play with it means that you can uh, broadcast a service, if you like. You can establish a service very, very quickly without having all of the kind of heavyweight institution that typically goes along with that kind of scale. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of interesting. See that happening in education, right? We're all for education. We're just maybe not everybody going to university is is uh, an idea that is changing. Well, or Khan Academy. So 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 you'd have somewhere. Uh, you know, typically you have these seats of learning, these institutes, and and your your knowledge is handed down. Yeah. And when you go to college, uh, obviously you you only discover this after college. Sure. <laughs> is is the con that all of your textbooks were written by your lecturers. Right. And if you go to the next university, all of their textbooks were written by their you know. So it's basically like a little pyramid selling scheme for lecturers. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oddly enough, they revise every semester. Right. Do you know, it's almost like they don't have a resale value. Yeah. No, and then, and then so, 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 well, so the Khan Academy starts with uh, a guy uh, whose buddies are struggling with a class, and he says, well, look, I'll put together a, a five-minute video to help you with that topic. And he does, and they go, oh, that's really cool. You should put that online. Right. And then, so that kind of went viral. And then, and then it became, uh, actually, I don't need to be the only person putting these modules yeah. together. We can, we can crowdsource that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you, you, what I love with the successful ones of these is you hit this inflection point where now like I want to produce a video that's good enough to be on the Khan Academy sure. and now now their panel or whatever uh, 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 have the wonderful problem of sifting through like 10 different attempts to describe one really yeah. arcane thing to choose the best one. Right. So they basically just completely democratized access to right. very, very higher and order learning. The well-ranked, well high-ranked ones will rise to the yeah. top, and that's what it, yeah. It's wonderful, and so, and so I can go, any subject I, can, I care to think of, I can find, you know, I, I'm, I'm using Khan Academy, but like, you know, there's a whole bunch of these um, yep. places doing this. And you'll go there, and there's just this vast array of knowledge just there. Well, you know, it's nice. much, and I've Incredible. thought about this quite a lot, it's much more efficient for, instead of sitting in a lecture, and you know, listening and maybe recording something and missing stuff because you you you're 20 minutes late for a lecture. You're behind. Yeah. You didn't get stuff that the rest of it is on, right? You watch a video of the lecture, which is better because you can fast forward, you can pause, you can go to the bathroom, you can do whatever you want. And when right? they recorded it, they you, had edit points, and they could choose when they you know they could yeah. replay bits and yeah. So then, when you get together in class, you can spend that time actually discussing. In, you know, in, in, yeah. in interacting instead of yeah. one way me to, to all of 400 some odd students. Yeah. So one of the things I've been doing over the last year is uh, my own classes. I do sort of two day classes, um, accelerated agile, which is kind of my take on where I think we should go next with, mm -hmm. with agile software, um, faster organizations, which is like kind of lean operations type stuff. Um, 
And I started as, you know, I had a bunch of material and it would be me doing stuff for a couple of days and that was the class. And then uh, someone pointed me at a book called Training from the Back of the Room, hmm. uh, based on a model called Accelerated Learning, which is like, it's, it's adult education theory that it's come from. Um, and the desperately sad thing is it hasn't made it yet into schools, into child hmm. education. I'll explain, well, you, you'll see what I mean in a second. Um, so accelerated learning, the principle is that the best way to learn something is to teach it. Right. So, you, you, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're a musician, you're, you, you've, you've both been in situations where uh, you're, you're teaching someone something and as you're teaching it, the act of teaching it, you're going, oh, yeah. I just realized those two things are connected that I sure, hadn't right. made the connection with sure. before. I just discovered that I can, yeah. Well, we do this in all the conferences. You always submit sessions you haven't written yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I'm going to have to now explain that thing. Yeah. Oh, crap. i got to sit yeah. down. And, you know, it takes days to put together a good hour-long talk, and you know roughly what you want to talk the about. The curse of being able to come up with a good title on the spot. Oh, yeah. That's oh, evil. I've got a great title. I wrote this oh, no. awesome abstract. Now I have to, have to fit it into an hour. How am I going to do that? But yeah. teach, a, teach a week-long programming class, and you learn all sorts of things. And you learn all sorts of crazy things, because what you're going to get is all the questions that anyone would ask rather than that you would ask. Mm -hmm. So... So the accelerated learning model is this, is you take a bunch of people and you have them working in yep. small groups, four to six people each, and my job is then just to throw in kind of thought grenades. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll throw something in and they will then discuss that thing. Here we go. <laughs> and so and I'll throw something in. And might have been a grenade, might have been something else. Might have been a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you end up, these groups are like, there's a couple of things happen. One is that they're teaching each other so they're learning. Right. The other thing is, like, say I've got like 30 people in a room. Rather than me on transmit to 30 people, you've got lots and lots of people sharing stuff with each other. Yeah. Like, and, and so the, the bandwidth and the quality of information going, it just rockets. Yeah. And you see a different energy in that kind of class. Mm. And, uh, oh, someone, who is it, Henrik Nieberg or someone, uh, had a wonderful photo recently of a, like a 1940s school or, you know, like black and white photo and all these kids sitting in there straight up in there. Right. And they're all facing forwards. And you're thinking, you know, your first thing is, wow, this is a very well turned out class. <laughs> and then the next thing you realize is this, no one is talking to anyone. Right. Because when you're at school, you're leaning forward like this, and, and if you look over, you're cheating. Right. And then we Whack come straight out of that mode into exam world at university, and again, you're working on your own, and if you right. copy someone else's work, you're cheating, into work where it's all collaborate. Mm. No, 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 yeah. no, no, that's a trick, isn't it? <laughs> I'll be over here doing my, doing my thing. And yeah. so it's a, we have to unlearn a huge amount of really bad habits in order to get on with the people at work. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, actually, Ken Robinson is uh, and, uh, from the UK, one of the foremost uh, talks about education, talks about exactly that. Like By the time you've graduated high school, they've beaten the creative thought right out of you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now you're ready for the workforce. Wasn't it, wasn't it Einstein or someone said that uh, he's, he's amazed that any kind of creative idea, any, any kind of creative uh, spirit survives, survives the education system? Right. So the, the, the tangent, we got off on education, but the point was that separating the institution from the service. From the service. That, that sure. Yeah. Brain and that going. happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that comes up again and again. And I, I actually, I hadn't thought about this until now, and, and I, I've noticed that whenever I spend any amount of time with you guys, I find myself saying that. So, <laughs> so there's something that you cause to surface, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, I, I tend to have quite an iconoclastic approach to a lot of like agile dogma, agile mm -hmm. institutional stuff. 
And it might be, that might be another projection of that, is that I see kind of, you know, you, you look at stuff like uh, Agile methods, right? the principles behind those things, the values behind those things, yeah. and, and I get that. Right? I get uh, focusing on outcomes, I get you know, collaborating, I get uh, understanding why we're doing something. And then it suddenly gets turned into this whole thing yeah. with rules and uh, ceremony and dogma. Bureaucratized. And certificates and nonsense and right, dogma, right? right? Yeah. And I'm looking at it and going, no, let's take the institution, please. Right. I can see you building an institution, right. stop. Yeah. Right? Let's, just, let's just make it incredibly easy to have access to this kind of information. Right. right. Think that way. For sure. Yeah, and that, that that theme has come up on just about every show that we've done on Agile. That theme comes up over and over again. That yeah. it's done poorly when the goal is to be Agile. To be Agile. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so yeah, so and and and, and actually to, so to circle around to a question you asked me much earlier. Yeah. Um, how do they know whether this is working? Is that in each case, there was this overriding thing. So in, in the case where they're saying, we're not delivering as quickly and as well as we want, well, let's look at it. Are we delivering better and are we delivering right. faster? And, and you can put numbers on those things and you can go, hey, we're getting the hang of this. Yeah. And, and in terms of the key man um, scenario, you know, are the people who are you know, uh, critical underneath holding these things up able to go home and have a life? Yeah. Look, look she just came in smiling. That hasn't happened in a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and it's, and it's, it's, it's wonderful I, I, to watch. I always set a goal when we, we always set a goal of while that person's on vacation, move their ball forward. Like have them come back to, wow, we've made progress. Not you're right where you were when you left off, much less buried under here's all the yeah. things that didn't happen while you weren't there. Yeah. Like can we actually move that ball forward? That's a really and nice, that's a really nice thing. Move their monitor to the other yeah. side of their yeah. desk. Yeah, and put post-it notes on everything. Yeah. So raise, oh, 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 yeah. raise the desk by three inches. <laughs> so Just one, see one of my favorite ones of those is to open up a browser on some page that they probably wouldn't want people seeing on their screen. <laughs> right. Take a screenshot. Yeah, right. Make that, that the, the wallpaper. wallpaper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then open another browser window. Yeah. And then just leave it. And they come back and they go, oh my God. <laughs> and then, of course, then after about 20 seconds of panic, they reboot. Right. <sighs> Log back in. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that. That'd be mean. No. Who would do that? that? That'd be mean. Who'd do that? So where, where are you off to next? What's in your um, inbox? Oh, so, so this is, this is um, uh, autumn, which is, which is our word for autumn. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, so, 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 so that, that, that's, that's a crazy time of year for me in terms of travel for things like conferences yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and work, day job stuff. Uh, um, so I am mostly for the next couple of months uh, living in airport departure lounges. Yeah. Um, so lots of hectic travel. So lots of sp- lots of talks coming up. Um, lots of there's there's a possibility. So so how's how's this for for you know I said I was trying to have fun and trying to do different things. Um, in the last two weeks, I've been talking to you know the largest bank in America, the UK government, and Spotify. Hmm. That, that's not a bad. Yes. <laughs> okay, that sounds like fun. Yeah. And like, what, what's wow. really what, what, what's staggering is when when you talk to different people in these in these various like you know, places and how much commonality there is, yeah. as well as how much difference. 
So someone like Spotify are growing at a crazy rate. And guess what? They've got some really, really smart people. They've got some really, really excellent products. And they are struggling with the pain of the rate of growing. Sure. Right? Uh, the government, the UK government, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, gov.uk. Mm-hmm. There's a, a government, a GDS, it's Government Digital Services, I think they're called. Um, was, I think it was a bet. I think it was a bet. I'm not sure exactly how it started, but I think it was a bet that uh, about a year or so ago, um, a small group of people went into the UK government and said, we reckon we can use open source, you know, small agile teams, we collaborative stuff, yeah, to build the government. Platform. And they said, everyone must use open source from now on, yeah. let it well, be known. Yeah, right? no, what, what they said, what, what you can imagine them saying was, don't be silly. <laughs> but also, like if you think maybe it's like 20, 30 people or something for a few months is a rounding error on any government project. Sure. Ever, right? Right, right. So if this thing, if they run this thing and it fails, they're going to go, what? They weren't even here. Right? It's right, like, yeah. This doesn't even show up as a calculation. Yeah. And what they did was they built an entire government platform in about eight months. Hmm. And it launched last, uh, about a year ago, actually, last September, I think, October. And, and it was ridiculously like really high performance, uh, really usable, all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, and so now they've carried on doing it. And so now the problem they've got is, is that it's working. So the poor guy who was the architect. They're not used to things working right, at the that quickly. UK government. And, and so they've got letters from the prime minister. So, so this one poor guy who's my buddy, um, he's one of the sort of tech leads there, uh, who was responsible for this, this platform, the way they've rewarded him is they said, well done, that was great. Have HMRC, have, have, have revenue and tax. Yes. <laughs> Let's give him an impossible project. He's just gone, what? He's being punished for succeeding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, okay, if you can make sense of that. So, so, so this is, but no, so, I mean, so they've got that thing going on. Spotify has literally doubled in size every, I think it's like Moore's Law. Right. Like every 18 weeks or something, they double in size. Right? <laughs> so they were, you know, 300 people uh, a minute ago. Right. And now yeah. they've, yeah, so they've got this. All, all that revenue they should be paying to the artists. Well, no, yeah. as far as I know, as far as I know, vast gobs of money go to the labels. So where it goes from there, who knows? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I okay. don't know what the. All right, well, anyway. Well, the commercial side we'll, of this is. We'll have a whiskey I, and talk I can about see, that. I, I can see this might be close to home. Yeah, yeah. Carl, maybe. would you like to tell we'll me see. about it? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a whiskey <laughs> and talk about that. Hey, guys, that's the end of our show. Big round of applause for Dan North. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. 
online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got to transmit a band.